Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Two afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm awfully glad we are going to have these next couple of hours together. I've got a wonderful show. Dr. Robert Jeffers is going to come on the program in just a second. And then Dr. Mitch Glazer will be joining me as well in the hour. But have you have you ever uh, had a big mountain before you, um, something that is really threatening, feeling threatening to you? You know, God meant for you to be invincible. And that's the name of Dr. Robert Jeffers' new book. It's called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. He's the senior pastor of the 15,000-member First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And he's got his daily radio program, Pathway to Victory, heard on more than 930 stations nationwide. Dr. Jeffers, welcome to the show. Great to be back with you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I have to say I was so amused when I saw you on Real Time with Bill Maher, sitting between Bill Maher and Penn Jillette. I, I still laugh when I think about that. <laughs> you had you had more atheism around you than, than anyone I could ever imagine. Yeah, since the Apostle Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So anyway, let me just first encourage you to keep writing books, because these are awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, the book we're going to chat about today is called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. And Dr. Jeffress was nice enough to make uh, three bundles available for listeners. So what you get, uh, if you get in on the drawing, is you get a copy of the book Invincible and a copy of his book A Place Called Heaven, which is a devotional. And they're both uh, wonderful books. So just text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right, let me get that. Now that that's out of the way, Dr. Jeffress, uh, tell, us, tell us about your book uh, Invincible. Why did you write it? And in what ways do you believe Christians are invincible, which I love? Well, the subtitle says it all, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life. In the Bible, Bill, mountains represented obstacles that stood between God's people and God's blessings on his people. And uh, I think uh, we have seen a lot of mountains pop up in the last 18 months, Uh, mountains like uh, loneliness, Mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, fear, grief. And uh, the truth is, uh, uh, we may not be able to eliminate those mountains, but we can conquer them. Jesus said, if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Well, he wasn't talking literally, but he was talking truthfully. It is possible to conquer mountains before they conquer you. And so this is probably one of the most practical books I've ever written, and it deals with the real felt needs I think a lot of people have been feeling for these 18 months. Uh, Romans 8.37 said, God, uh, through Christ, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I really think it's time for God's people to quit being timid, Mm. quit being filled with cowardice. It's time to move forward in the plan God has for us. And that's why I wrote Invincible. Dr. Jeffress, you are welcome on my show anytime the way you speak. I love that. So um, what does it look like to partner with God to, to move these mountains in our lives? You know, it's interesting, Bill. When you look at the Bible, uh, there's one thing 
that God does for us that he refuses to allow us to play any part in, and that's our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But apart from salvation, just about every worthwhile and important thing in our life is really a partnership between God and us. Uh, And it's always been that way. God gave Adam and Eve a perfect garden, but he said, it's your responsibility to cultivate it and keep it. Uh, God told the Israelites, I'm going to give you the promised land, Canaan. It's yours from me. But you're going to have to fight for every square inch of it. And so when we talk about uh, conquering mountains, uh, it's a partnership, God and us doing it together. You know, we just can't say, God, get rid of this worry in my life. Hmm. Get rid of this grief. Get rid of this uh, bitterness in my heart. There's some things we have to do as well. And that's what I talk about from God's Word, and this is very Bible-centered, I talk about what we can do to conquer these mountains. You know, a lot of times uh, we turn our molehills into mountains. God wants to turn our mountains into molehills, and this book shows us how to do that. I love that. Dr. Jefferson, in the beginning of your book, you do talk about a mountain that you and your family faced. Would you be uh, open to talking about that and, and how God moved that mountain? Sure. <laughs> it kind of makes me look bad, but I'll share it anyway. <laughs> That's what I love about it. My daughter, uh, uh, Julia, and her husband, Ryan, they had gone through a really bad season of life where they had gone through three miscarriages. And many of your listeners know just how heartbreaking that can be. And after the third miscarriage, uh, Julia said, Dad, Ryan and I are going to start praying for triplets. One life to replace every life that was lost. And me being a great man of faith, I said, Julia, don't pray for that. That's not going to happen. We don't have a history of multiples in our family. And I'll never forget what Julia said. She said, Dad, if you're going to see God do big things, you have to pray big things. And they prayed, and God blessed them with triplets. They're about three years old now and uh, running us ragged. But it's just an amazing uh, how, you know, Julia's faith overcame the mountain of loss that she had been experiencing. That's a spectacular story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Dr. Robert Jeffress is my guest. His book is called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. Uh, I love in the book you you walk uh, readers through 10 of life's mountains that most often separate Christians from um, God. So maybe let's talk about the first one, which is when we move from doubt to faith. Yeah, you know, what has happened in these last 18 months has caused a lot of people to doubt whether or not God is in control, uh, uh, to doubt the government, to doubt all sorts of things. Uh, uh there's a difference in the Bible between doubt and unbelief. Uh, it's interesting in the life of Jesus and his teachings, he never chided anybody for honest, sincere doubts, for asking sincere questions. Now, insincere questions he had no use for, but serious or sincere questions, he answered those questions. But unbelief is a settled conclusion, and the Bible does warn against unbelief. What's important, and I talk about in this chapter, is how to make sure those seeds of doubt that we all experience don't grow into full-blown cases of unbelief. And uh, there are a couple of things I say, but one of the things is uh, doubts are a lot like mushrooms. They grow best in the darkness. 
And uh, I've just seen, especially through this pandemic, a lot of Christians have gotten separated from other Christians, from their churches, and that's when Satan loves to attack when we're isolated. He can uh, uh, take us on a lot easier when we're by ourselves than when we're in the company of other believers. Don't you have some of the darkest moments when you're alone and isolated and you think, where did these thoughts come from? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, I use in that chapter the story of Thomas, the apostle. We call him Doubting Thomas. And remember, he was so distraught after the uh, crucifixion that he separated himself from the rest of the apostles. And by doing so, he not only missed their encouragement, he missed seeing the resurrected Christ (laughs) the first time he was there. Um, uh, David Jeremiah has a great line. Uh, He talks about um, uh, that uh, people in his church, and I have them in my church, who say, you know, Pastor, we're going through a difficult time. We're going to take some time off from church. Uh, he said, there's only one person who thinks you ought to take time off from church when you're going through difficulty, <laughs> and that's Satan. <laughs> so, Dr. Jeffress, when we look at our um, anxiety, and the anxiety disorders are all, all over the place right now. I think mental illness in the U.S. is probably at an all-time high. Um, so from a biblical perspective, would you talk about where this anxiety comes from? And maybe you can give us some counsel as to... Uh, people who are struggling and they're looking for peace amidst their anxiety. Yeah, we talk about a whole chapter on moving the mountain of anxiety. A lot of people have said it's their favorite chapter in the book because a lot of people are worried about a lot of things these days. And, you know, worry is just one of the absolute most futile activities we go through. As somebody said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its problems, but it does empty today of its strength. And uh, sometimes the things we worry about are legitimate concerns, and uh, the best way to alleviate them is to do something that we know we should be doing. You know, people are worried about, you know, their uh, uh, condition of their teeth. They haven't been to the dentist in two years. Well, make an appointment with the dentist. Do that, you know. Uh, they're worried about uh, uh, they don't have any money. Or, well, reconcile your checkbook. You know, there's some things you can do to alleviate worry. But sometimes the worry that comes into our life comes from Satan himself. It's the paralyzing kind of worry. Um, in, in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about how Satan shoots fiery darts into our lives. And I think one of the flaming missiles he loves to shoot into our life most is the arrow of worry. I don't know, Bill, if you've had this experience, you're at work having a productive day, or you're worshiping with your uh, church, or you're spending a day with your family, when out of nowhere, seemingly, this alien thought comes into your mind, and it begins with the words, what if? What if I were to lose my job? What if my child got sick? What if, what if, what if? And suddenly you're overtaken by this paralyzing worry. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like praying or going to church. That doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan. And if I were going to give one antidote to worry, it's what Paul says in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. But he doesn't stop there. He says, instead, pray about everything. I heard somebody say one time, get a piece of paper Put at the top of the piece of paper my worry list and make a list of everything you're worrying about. You may need several pages. You may need a whole tablet. And then once you have exhausted everything you can think of that you're worrying about, take your pen, 
scratch out the word worry and insert the word prayer. Turn your worry list into your prayer list. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Boy, Dr. Jeffress, I think all of us are thinking right now, do do we play the what-if game? I think we all do it, and it's um, a good reminder that that's not from the Lord. No, it's not. No. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, yeah. and of a sound mind. I so appreciate that comment. Thank you so much. Take a little break. Dr. Robert Jeffress is my guest. He's written a book called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. He's made three copies of this book available, and he's also uh, allowed us to give away... In addition, uh, a book of his called The Place Called Heaven, which is a a devotional, 100 Days of Living in the Hope of Eternity. And if you uh, enter the drawing and win, you get both books. So we've got three book sets to give away. So text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back with Dr. Robert Jeffress in just a minute. Robert Jeffress, his new book is Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. Uh, one of your testimonials, uh, Dr. Jeffress, in the part of the opening part of the book is with someone that is very dear, I'm sure, to both of us, and that's Dr. Larry Crabb, who went home to be with the Lord. Yes, what a great man of God. Oh, I just loved him. Yes, so so practical and helpful in everything he said, and so biblical. Yeah, he was a gem. So... Let's talk, uh, continue more about Invincible, and I so appreciate you making copies available for listeners because the text line is lighting up right now, um, so I appreciate that. Uh, you talk about, in the book, the, the mountain of fear that the Israelites faced as they were approaching the Promised Land. All right, so what did that mountain look like for them, and how did they overcome it? Yeah, I, to set that up, I would just ask your listeners— you know, can you identify one thing you know God wants you to do that you haven't yet done? And almost all of us, Bill, can identify something very quickly. And then the question is, what's keeping you from doing that one thing that you know God would bless and God would be pleased by? And usually it's some fear that's keeping us from obeying God, fear that I'll fail if I try this, fear that I'll be rejected, fear that I won't be successful. There's always some fear that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. It was the same way with the Israelites. God said, go into the land. It's yours. Take it. Uh, They sent spies at God's command to scope out the land and come up with a, uh, a plan. And, of course, they came back, and they all 12 said there are giants in the land because they were. Ten of them said they're too great to overcome. 
The problem that they had was not that they said there were giants, but they evaluated their situation uh, using uh, themselves instead of using the power of God as the basis of comparison. I, I say it this way, you know, in uh, Dubai is the tallest building in the world, 2,717 feet. It's one tall building. But compared to Mount Everest, 29,000 feet, it's a molehill. Uh, it's the same thing with whatever challenge you're facing right now. Uh, don't compare that challenge by yourself. Compare that challenge to the power of God. I love that. Um, since COVID hit, and it's been a long haul, I would say that there's been more people that have found themselves in isolation. And I hate to say this, Dr. Jeffers, but the word loneliness seems to be at the forefront of a lot of people's situation. And that breaks my heart because we are uh, a people that are meant to be together and in fellowship. And when that uh, has gone away, uh, there's more and more people suffering from loneliness. And how do we how do we get people from loneliness to companionship? Well, that's one of the chapters because, uh, frankly, I'm seeing that as a pastor, people have become disconnected from one another, from their churches. And look, I'm glad we've had the Internet. I mean, our Internet ministry has just exploded. We Last week had 550,000 people watching our online service. And uh, I'm glad for that. I'm glad we can provide that. But as good as that is, it's a cheap substitute for the real thing of being in worship. And I think, frankly, Bill, too many Christians got in the habit of becoming pajama Christians on Sunday morning. (laughs) And it's time to take off the PJs and put on your Sunday clothes and come to church. Uh, That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I think one of the ways to do that is, first of all, realize we do need one another. You know, we get this idea that we really don't need other people, that our relationship with God is enough. I want to tell you right now, a relationship with God is not enough to satisfy your emotional needs. Mm -hmm. You say, that sounds like heresy. How do I say such a thing? Because God said it. He and Adam had a perfect relationship in the garden before it was tainted by sin. They enjoyed great fellowship, but God said to Adam, Adam, it's not good that you are alone. I will make a helper for you. Adam was a human being as well as a spiritual being. He needed human companionship as well as divine companionship. And God says the same thing to us. You know, we're kind of like those two porcupines that huddled together in northern (laughs) Canada to keep warm. Uh, They needed each other even though they needled each other. And, and, you know, other people can be bothersome. They cause problems, but we really do need them. Dr. Robert Jeffers is my guest. His book is Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life God Meant for You to Be Invincible. And he's also made available uh, three copies of this book and three copies of his other book, A Place Called Heaven, which is a a devotional, 100 Days of Living in the Hope of Eternity. So if you text the word book and get in on the drawing, and if you happen to be one of the lucky winners, you'll get both books. How cool is that? So you'll get two books uh, from Dr. Robert Jeffress. So in the chapter 10, I've got the book open to chapter 10 right now, and you really take us through the path from grief to acceptance. Can you talk us through that a little bit more? Yeah, you know, again, during this pandemic, a lot of people have had to deal with grief. Uh, Just last Friday, we had a funeral service for a husband and wife who had died just within a few days of each other in the ICU unit. And there's been a lot of loss uh, uh, through death, through loss of uh, health. People have lost their jobs. 
some of them had been relocated and lost their friends. And uh, I talk about in this book about how to get past grief, you know, um, not get over but move on past it. Uh, I tell people, you know, when you've gone through a loss of any kind, uh, it's like you're going into a dark tunnel. The bad news is the tunnel is dark and feels lonely. The good news is once you've started in, you're almost already on the way out. And I think uh, we need to realize that we'll never go back to normal, but we can come to a new normal. And that's, uh, you know, Jesus experienced great grief over the loss of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was about to raise him from the dead. Death of any amount of time and separation is a painful one. And so, uh, you know, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, we grieve not as those who have no hope, but we do grieve. And uh, uh, the psalmist said it best when he said, sorrow endures the night, but joy does come in the morning. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jeffress, we cling to God's promises, and we pray that mountains in our lives will be moved. So I know you would probably have words of encouragement on both of those topics that you can share with everyone today. Yeah, you know, Jesus said, if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Let me just say, it's not the amount of faith you have. You don't have to have a lot of faith. What matters is the object of your faith. And if the object of your faith is God, he's the one who uh, your partnership can move mountains. And, you know, I think about that Zechariah 4 passage. The children of Israel were coming back into the land after captivity. They had a massive job to rebuild the temple. It was a daunting task. The angel said, I will turn this mountain of challenge into a plain. God is the one who can level your mountain and make it a molehill mm-hmm. if you'll trust in him. And that's what Invincible is all about. I love, I love the final uh, sentence in your book says, so whenever you encounter another Everest-like mountain in your life, remember those promises and never forget that even the tallest mountain doesn't look so daunting from God's perspective. Yeah, you know, Edmund Hillary was the first person to scale Mount Everest. Most people don't know he had failed two years earlier, and after he failed in his first attempt, he stood at the base of the mountain, shook his fist in its face, and said, one day I will conquer you because you're not getting any bigger, but I'm growing every day. <laughs> and that's the invincible spirit God's people ought to have. I love that. If you're not one of the three lucky winners in today's drawing, where would you direct people to go pick up a copy of the book Invincible? Yeah, it's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and I'm told every Hobby Lobby in America beginning next week. So uh, you can get it in lots of different places. And by the way, Bill, it's great for a group study, a small group Bible study, Sunday school class, topics everybody's interested in. Mm -hmm. And one other uh, question I have for you, Dr. Jeffress, because I'm starting uh, tomorrow about a year-long study on Old Testament characters. Who is maybe one of your favorite Old Testament characters? My absolute favorite is Joseph, and I just finished Sunday uh, <laughs> study in the life of Joseph called But God. You know, no one so far has claimed Joseph yet, so if you would like to in the next year come on the show and talk about Joseph, I would love that. Well, we're going to be airing that on Pathway to Victory later this year and a new book coming out on Joseph, so I'd love to do it. Terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing the show, and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for having me. You bet. Dr. Robert Jeffress has been my guest. And again, his book is called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life. If you want to get in on the drawing, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. 
If you are one of the lucky ones to win, uh, you get a copy of Invincible and a copy of A Place Called Heaven, which is a devotional, 100 Days of Living in the Hope of Eternity by Dr. Robert Jeffress. Take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Mitch Glazer. I'm liking today's lineup. I've got Dr. Mitch Glazer on the line. He is the uh, president um, of Chosen People Ministries in Manhattan, and he's got an amazing conference coming up in New York, and it's going to be available online, and I can't wait to hear about it. Mitch, welcome. Hey, Bill. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom to you. I'm looking at the lineup. I'm going, oh, these are all like my favorite people. I can hardly wait. Oh, boy. <laughs> You've got Ann, Ann Graham Lotz, Joel Rosenberg, yeah. Daryl Bach, uh, yeah. the, Marty and Misha Getz. You? What a lineup. Wow. Mike Rodelnik from Moody. We're, we're loaded. Oh, yeah. It's so. amazing. Now, the Middle East is, is all new, isn't it? Yes. Well... <laughs> yes and no, of course. It, it, we thought it was, <laughs> but obviously uh, things were uh, things were under the surface that were about to boil over, and they boiled. And uh, but we need to have some understanding of, of why they boiled over, and and what the future is for the Middle East. The Bible is not silent about the present or the future of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Mitch, why is Chosen People Ministries uh, sponsoring this conference? Yeah, well, Bill, number one, I'm a New Yorker, and we're a New York-based organization. We were founded in 1894 in Brooklyn, and so New York is in our blood. And New York still has the largest concentration of Jewish people in the world, and neither Tel Aviv nor Jerusalem have—I mean, if you put them both together, you have almost the same number of Jewish people in New York City. And so it's it's just a very— we're New Yorkers, and uh, I know, I, it's just very important. And also, New York and Israel are joined at the hip. And so, what happens in in New York and it impacts Israel and vice versa. And actually, in Israel, they now have a 9/11 memorial. Israel sent over uh, dozens of uh, rescue workers right after 9/11 happened, and and there's there's a lot of ties. And so. We have a great concern, obviously, for reaching Jewish people with the gospel. And so if this this really has a lot of gospel implications because there's a, there's a really deep uh, God story running throughout the 9-11 event that I personally experienced. And it's something we want to share with, with the country. How much of a preview can we get? Well, I mean, because this sounds really interesting. I want to hear more. Let me give you one of the simple stories that uh, people would never, ever know about. Just a simple one, testimony. So uh, right after 9-11 in 2001, uh, we celebrated or observed Rosh Hashanah, which we're just about to observe the Jewish New Year. So Chosen People always has a New Year service. So we rented a space near the Empire State Building, and everything looked fine. 9-11 happens, and of course— you know, um, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if the U.N. is going to be bombed, which is right near our offices. We don't know if the Empire State 
building's going to be blown because and our event was scheduled right across the street from the Empire State Building. And we didn't know we didn't know if people were going to get blown up or or anthraxed on the subways. Mm. You know, remember those days? They yeah. were very, very, very tense. And we decided, of course, to go ahead and have that uh, event. We had maybe 150 people. I don't know how they all got there. And as I was preaching on Psalm 23, which was uh, a, a text that was smeared uh, all over with posters, I mean, all over New York City, people would, I mean, it was just such a spiritual moment, Bill, honestly. So looking right in front of me, just hanging on every word is this, well, you know, I have Jewish radar because I'm Jewish, you know, and, 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 and I could tell that these folks were Jewish and, and they were smiling all the way through, which <laughs> nobody was smiling that night. But they were yeah. smiling. And afterwards, I came up to them. I said, do we know each other? And they said, oh, no, I don't think so. I said, but you look like my whole, you look like my family, you know. And we laughed because we were both from the borough of Queens in New York City originally. And both New York City's um, special ed teachers. And I said, so how long have you, I mean, have do you know the Lord? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, great. I said, and so how long have you known the Lord? Two days. <laughs> wow. And I said, okay, there's a story here. So tell me what happened. They said it was simple. Christian friends were trying to witness to us. They were trying to tell us about Jesus. We watched a little bit of Christian TV. And, you know, nothing was really happening. But we were feeling, we weren't turned off. We were getting a bit drawn. And our daughter was in the second tower. Mm. And we prayed our first real, real prayer. And said, God, if, if you keep our daughter alive, we'll believe in Jesus. Oh, wow. And, of course, the daughter lived, and they believed in Jesus, and they've been a dynamic, dynamic uh, Messianic Jewish couple for many, for 20-plus years. And now, that's just a little bit, and but I'm telling you, the, the sensitivity and the vulnerability after an event like that was life-changing for people and ministry-changing for us. I never in my life have found it so easy to get into a conversation about the gospel as I did after 9-11, not during COVID, not during any of the wars with Israel. I mean, Jew, Gentile, no matter who it was, almost everybody was ready to talk about hope beyond this life. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mitch Glazer is my guest. He's president of Chosen People Ministries in New York. He's got an upcoming conference uh, September 10 and 11. It's going to be in New York, but there is no charge to watch this online. You do have to register in advance and then you to get the link. But I want to encourage people to put this on their calendar because this is going to be fascinating. Now, having said that, Mitch, I want to go back to you talking about Psalm 23 because I'm kind of a Psalm 23 junkie and I want to learn everything I can about Psalm 23. So maybe give me two minutes or a minute and a half on what you talked about regarding Psalm 23. Oh, 20 years ago, huh? <laughs> I know that's not fair. Um, not, I know that's not fair, well, but, but I trust one you. Of, can... one, of, one of our staff members and my, one of my dear friends, Rich Freeman, uh, has just written a book on Psalm 23, and he's getting ready to publish it. And he gave it the title, The Lord is My Shepherd, Dayenu. Now, Dayenu means, it's a Hebrew word, means it's enough. It's associated with Passover. And it's associated with God bringing judgments upon our Egyptian friends. 
And, uh, and at the end of it, we, we sing the song, Dianu. It would have been enough if you would have just given us the Sabbath. But instead, he, he enabled us to be free of Egyptian bondage. And so what Rich has written about and what, what I preached on that night is that when you have Jesus, you have enough. That's it. it. It's not even that he's with you in the valley of the shadow of death. It's not even that he leads you to green pastures. It's, it's not even that you become one of the sheep and that uh, you're able to follow his voice and that he takes care of you. And if you wander off, he finds you. I mean, there's all that incredibly beautiful uh, shepherd and sheep, uh, you know, uh, stuff in, in the Bible. It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But actually, when it boil, comes right down to it, when you have Jesus, you have everything. And I think certainly my friends, Jerry and Helene, who came to know the Lord, realized that. And uh, that's what we had to preach because, uh, you know, certainly the Lord was with us and certainly the Lord had uh, good plans for us. But we were in the midst of our city being exploding, you know, mm-hmm. we're in the midst of over 3000 people dying and and, and first responders uh who already, right after it started happening, we knew that something bad was going to happen with anybody who was down there who was trying to find evidence and things like that. And so what do you really have in life? When you have the Lord, you have everything you need. And whether it's in death or whether it's in life or whether it's in hard times or whether you're suffering from cancer or whether or not you're suffering from COVID, no matter no matter what is wrong, and there's a lot that can go wrong in this life, mm-hmm. and uh, just you just when you have the Lord, you have grace, and you have Him to go through whatever is trying to overcome you. Yeah, Mitch, thank you for that. So simple, so profound. Let's go back 20 years um, on that day, that historic day. Where were you that day? Yeah, I was. I was in our office in Manhattan on East 51st between Second and Third Avenue about seven, eight blocks from the UN and, you know, very much Midtown East commercial Manhattan. We have a little office building there that the Lord gave us. And I was sitting in my office and it was getting near uh, nine o'clock and we had chapel on that day. We'd gather once a week uh, to pray together and hear the word together. And, and as I am uh, sitting there getting ready to go down, a little before nine o'clock, our receptionist just sort of screamed. And, uh, you know, I didn't know whether or not someone was breaking into the office or what was going on. And then she shouted, uh, a plane just flew into the uh, World Trade Center. And so me and a few others ran down the stairs and and we started listening to the radio, quickly turned on the TV in our reception room. And there it was, a plane stuck, (laughs) you know, in in what was really the, the North Tower, at Tower Number One, the North Tower at that point, and we didn't know what it was. We had no idea. I mean, see, the Middle East was not even on people's radar screen. It just wasn't on our minds. And uh, I mean, Christians maybe visited Israel, maybe went to Jordan, went to Pella, uh, maybe maybe went to Egypt. You know, but most Christians were uh, pretty unaware, and most Jewish people were pretty unaware of the Middle East. And uh, we had no idea that terrorists would even conceive of anything like this. And then uh, at 9.03 a.m., the second plane crashed into the South Tower, and everybody at one time realized what what was going on. We didn't know who did it, 
but we knew we were under attack. And by that time, we had 25 people in our little reception room, and we held hands, and people were crying, and people were praying. Obviously, we knew, because a lot of us have been to, you know, Windows on the World and all the other stuff that was up there. And we knew that there was no way people were going to get out of there. And and uh, my daughter uh, was on a subway train from Brooklyn to Manhattan going to school, really traveling right under the World Trade Center at about mm-hmm. that same time. And they locked every all the schools down. They uh, There was no cell phone coverage, and people couldn't really take public transportation. It was just such a disaster. And I went from 9 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon not knowing if my daughter was alive. And so that was something I definitely could have done without. And so we uh, quickly realized what had happened and news was coming in about who did it. Then, of course, we had Washington, D.C., and then we had Pennsylvania. And with the Pennsylvania attack, uh, we we had more uh, – there was – people were making cell phone calls, and we saw they were coming over the radio and over TV. So we had an idea that these were people from the Middle East, the terrorists. And, and so uh, we spent the next four months just ministering to first responders and survivors and and uh, and just talking to people about the Lord and and going down into what we called sacred space. It was really weird, Bill. You would go down uh, to right where the museum is now, where the 9-11 memorial is, and you would just sit there. We did prayer tables with other people, another thing, and just talk to people. It was so easy to talk to people about spiritual things. and But nobody talked. Everybody talked in a whisper. Nobody talked loudly. And it's almost like you knew you were on holy ground. Mm. And it was... It was that was that was our life for the next three months, almost six months, and uh, and God really used that to touch the lives of people and and the whole. I mean, the Christian community was so united, Bill. I mean, and all the ministries and a lot of ministries came in. You'll see on our program we have Samaritan's Purse and Billy Graham coming in, the guy who was running the uh, the relief efforts, and the guy who was the head of the Southern Baptist effort to. Uh, for relief efforts, he's come. He's coming in to share also, and we'll have the oral surgeon who's identifying the bodies by their teeth, mm. and he's a Jewish believer, and he'll be speaking. And we have FBI agents who are digging evidence out of the pit, and they're going to give testimony, and and uh, we're going to try and wrestle with what's going on with that in Afghanistan. So we're going to we're going to try and look at everything through a biblical lens and hope that God gives us clarity. Well, Mitch, it sounds absolutely riveting. Uh, thank you for everything you just shared. Dr. Mitch Glazer is my guest, and he's talking about a conference coming up, and it's going to be September 10 and 11, and it's uh, conference is called 9-11 and the New Middle East. It's held in New York City, but um, if you don't want to attend in person, of course, you can uh, watch this whole thing online. And here's the good news. There's no charge, but you must register online in advance to receive the link. So what, and the, the link the link is nine eleven theconference dot com nine eleven not numerals nine eleven theconference dot com and if you can't quite find it go to the chosen people website chosenpeople dot com and you'll have it right in front of you. Terrific. Let me take a short break and we'll be right back with Dr. Mitch Glazer.
glad to have my friend Dr. Mitch Glazer on the show today. He is the president of Chosen People's Ministries. You can go to chosenpeople.com to learn more about him and this amazing upcoming conference on 9-11 in the New Middle East, which is Friday and Saturday, September 10 and 11. Yeah, there's no charge, but you do register online. So, Mitch, as I'm looking at New York City again, I, I, it is, is it like the second largest concentration of Jewish people of any metropolitan area in the world? Well, actually, it's the first. Wow. Uh, Tel Aviv, you know, people always ex- extend their neighborhoods, you know. When That's they true. Wanna, <laughs> you know, now it works. It's a real estate trick. But but in, in Tel Aviv, you know, maybe 1.4 million Jewish people, Jerusalem a little over a million. Uh, the five boroughs of New York City have just under 2 million Jewish people. And, uh, you know, when you take in the the suburbs of New York City, which would then equal what Tel Aviv does, not minimizing the importance of Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, uh, you you then have probably closer to 3 million Jewish people. And so it's still a, a, a hub. You know, they whisper in Jerusalem, you hear it uh, through a loudspeaker in New York City. So it's, it's, a, it's we're join, join, joined at the hip. Mm. Uh, that that is a, a a shocking statistic. I I just didn't didn't know that, because you live there. Tell me what it's like in terms of how long ago it felt to you like nine eleven took place. Because I mean I live in Minnesota. It seems like twenty years to me. Because uh, we're coming up on the twenty year anniversary. What does it feel like to people that live in New York? Um, I think up until a couple of weeks ago, it felt like twenty years. Okay. I think I think, and when I say twenty years, I feel like, you know, we've had enough time to heal. I, I remember, in May when they were just allowing flights to pass over New York City, from September to May, and uh, commercial flights. And I, I took my daughter to a Yankee game, and uh, place was full, and planes started flying overhead. Her fingers dug into my leg. <laughs> I, I I had to grab her hand and say, you know, I'm, I'm a human being here, you know. And, but everybody's, every you watched it like everybody's eyes went to the sky. Nobody was watching the game, and everybody's eyes were glued to the plane. And that's the definition of post traumatic stress, Bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, you you thought you were recovered, but but. You obviously were not because you felt so vulnerable. You mm-hmm. felt, I mean, I mean, what if somebody walked into the, you know, the America, what's the name of the mall? America's Mall? Yeah, Mall know? of America. Mall of America and, and just blue, you yeah. know? I mean, ha, ha, would people go back to the mall when in a month, three mm-hmm. months, mm-hmm. six months? And even if they went there, would they keep their, you know, would they keep both eyes open, you know, watching for strange things and, and packages. And so it, it, it really was traumatic and it honestly took years for, for healing, um, multiple years for healing to take place. But I think New York was, was pretty well healed, you know, and we, we, we had other problems, uh, at this point and well, then things happened in Afghanistan and it was, you know, the, the, the scab was ripped off the wound, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think right now New Yorkers are again. I mean, I mean, I, and, and I'm talking about New Yorkers because it's 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 who I am and where I live. Um, but I mean, my heart, and I know yours 
breaks for the Afghanis who got stuck and for yeah. the so families of the soldiers who who passed away and mm-hmm. and for the massive um, hardship that people are going to go through the lucky ones who got out who who were able to immigrate i mean it's going to be massive and uh and for what's happening there uh, right now and i know you're getting reports from there and i'm getting reports from there and and our hearts and our prayers go out to uh afghanis especially our afghani brothers and sisters in the lord and uh, they're not looking forward to a a bright a bright future and uh so i don't want to be self-centered on the whole thing but i think that we, you know, we are now once again aware that, you know, this 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 blight of global terrorism that hit New York, that hit Israel, it's that same mentality of terrorism, that same extreme fundamentalist Islamic terrorism, and uh, and it's out there, and it's and it's shared by a number of different kinds of groups. And we thought we had it under control, and we didn't. And and now we're vulnerable again. So I, I I'll tell you, we're looking at the music we've planned for the conference bill. We've looked at. Um, we asked Marty Getz to write a spe- a new special hymn for the occasion. And we would we were had the conversation with our planning group about how are we going to minister to people who are now re-traumatized and people who are grieving again. And so that's going to be part of the conference. We hope that it actually will have a pastoral ministry to people, and we hope it'll have a prophetic ministry to people. Mm-hmm. Mitch, I, I want to read, I want to tease out some of the topics that are going to be discussed at the conference Friday, September 10th and Saturday the 11th. Uh, there's a, a session called A Biblical Vision for the New Middle East, and one's called Hope for the Church in the New Middle East, and one is called Israel and Her Neighbors in the New Middle East. This sounds absolutely fascinating. Well, you've got to look at things through a biblical lens, Bill, if they're going to ultimately make any sense to you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, and also, Anne Graham Lotz is going to preach about Jesus in the Middle East, <laughs> That's the one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's going to be fantastic. And uh, and so uh, Mike Rodelnik, who teaches at Moody, is uh, he he's the one who did the thousand page book for Moody Press on biblical prophecy, and uh, messi and it's got messianic prophecy and time prophecy, and Michael's a very well established uh, Moody author and professor and. Bible answer man, you know who he is, and and so Michael's going to going to share not only I, I from my Isaiah chapter nineteen and so on, but he's going to share about um, what God's view of the Middle East is like, and I think people need to see that. I mean, prophecy is intended to help us live today in light of the future, and it's intended to um, encourage our hearts. And so I think that's what's going to happen. Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary, Daryl, who's also a Jewish believer, and he's on our board, uh, Daryl has had a lot of experience uh, ministry, uh, doing ministry on the Palestinian side as well as the Jewish side. And none of this is ever broadcasted, obviously, or else people 
I mean, it's not the, that's not the way you want to do this. And so it's very quiet, this kind of ministry. But he's, he's done a lot of pastoral training on both sides. And Daryl's going to talk about how to find biblical unity and, and how we can reunify the church in the Middle East, even in light of all of the problems that we're having right now. And it's going to be great. And then I sat down with uh, Joel Rosenberg. Can I plug his new book? Oh, please. Uh, Enemies and Allies by Tyndale. And I, I'm almost halfway through it, and it is fantastic. Boy, that guy can write. Even mm-hmm. his nonfiction is, is, is thrilling, you know, <laughs> not just his thrillers. Mm-hmm. And so Joel uh, has an event down there right before, and so he couldn't come up for it. And he's been part of the planning of this event, but just couldn't come. And so I went down to Washington, D.C., and I interviewed Joel actually for a couple of hours. We're only going to see 45 minutes of it for now. But Joel goes through his research process, which was awesome, uh, for his new book because he spent time with the Egyptian president, with with the Jordanian king, um, with leaders in Israel, and uh, with uh, Saudi Arabian princes. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and he, so he's going to give us sort of the, the backstory and it will probably give us more insight into why and yeah. how the Abraham Accords happened. Awesome. Mitch, let me just get, give everyone a chance to hear this one more time. You can go um, learn more about this at chosenpeople.com. And the event is September 10 and 11. There's no charge. You have to register it in advance online. Thank you so much for being with me today. You're welcome, Bill. And just Friday night starts at, at 7. Thank you. East Coast time. And Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.